Hey, Verbivores. Welcome to episode three of the Verba Coffee Chat podcast. In today's podcast, Jared chats with John Bebo, CEO of the Independent College Bookstore Association. Listen in to hear their thoughts on how the pandemic will shape the industry, how stores are evolving to meet the moment, how ICBA is changing to support stores, and their shared love of guitar and rock and roll. Well, hey, John, thanks so much for joining us for this episode. I thought I would start um, knowing that you are a rock god yourself. This is my father's 1966 Gibson E335. Oh, dude, 335. Alex Lifeson from Rush is my idol. What is that axe in your lap? It's a Taylor, you know, it's got the built-in pickup for when I play on stage and stuff. But that is a sweet axe there you have, my friend. I I have long been a Taylor man myself. So uh, yet another thing that I, I think we are absolutely on the same page as. I guess we can talk about some Zeppelin later. But for now, right. we talk about the campus store industry for a little bit. And the rock stars in the campus store industry, of which there are many. What an excellent transition. I love it. <laughs> we kind of wanted to get a sense from you just off the bat, some of the smart and interesting things that you have been seeing in the independent campus store community through all of this craziness. We've been really inspired at ICBA, the uh, energy and passion and caring that's gone on in the industry really right from the start back in the spring when everybody was really kind of in shock right away we did a series of networking calls and you know what's amazing is that the most important thing on our members minds was the health and safety of their teammates and their staff and still figuring out how to serve their institutions it didn't matter if that meant working 60 70 80 hours a week it was really pretty incredible and inspiring and i think that really continued through the summer and the fall that spirit of commitment to their own store associates, their campus, their students, their faculty has really carried through. So we kind of coined this little rallying cry of adapt and persevere. And we've been using that both internally and in all the discussions with our members. And, you know, that's not go fight win, but I think in today's time, adapt and persevere is pretty darn good. And, and we really applaud our members for sticking to those two things. I love it. It's it's even stronger than uh, than keep common carry on. <laughs> True enough. No, John, it's so good to start with the positive. Um, and and I think you alluded to some of the trends that that you have been seeing. But can we dig in a little bit to to things that you have been seeing both as near term trends and adaptation versus sort of the longer term things that you expect to stick coming out of this thing? We've kind of put it in three buckets, and and let me kind of go through those. I think it'll make sense. One is the things that may ultimately return back to, we'll call it normal, even though it may take some time, and that's one group. And group number two are the things that have changed that really probably will come back a little bit to the way they used to be, but probably not all the way. And then the third group would be the things that have changed and are probably never coming back. And we didn't really start out six months ago thinking of it that way, but I think it's evolved to that. And we've encouraged our members and even our vendor partners to think about that because I think strategically that's good. Not everything's going to be back all the way, but some things might. Not a, Some things will come back a little bit. Some things are never going to be the same. So uh, whether it's uh, innovations like curbside pickup or uh, buy online pickup in store, new features that people have added to their e-commerce sites, 
those are innovations that are going to stay on forever. Those aren't going to be short-term things. That's, those are changes that'll stay uh, fully, uh, maybe interacting with faculty on the ways you communicate in advance of a term opening to gather adoptions. That is one that might come back a little bit, but probably will never be all the way the way it used to be. And so I don't know if that makes sense, but those three areas are, I think it's helpful to think in those three areas and then build your strategies around those. 100%. And I mean, I think that we've started to think of it in that way too. And it's, it is funny how it takes a little bit to settle into that mindset, that kind of the, the fog has to clear a little bit, but then you start to see things more, more clearly. And some of these things really feel like just trends that have been dramatically accelerated, but we would have otherwise gotten there anyway. I mean, I think of even just the curbside pickup is something that might have been seen in other retail contexts, but wouldn't have occurred to the campus store to, to do so early, but we would have ultimately gotten there. And so in some ways, it's a silver lining that I kind of feel like we jumped into the future a little bit and, and maybe have a little bit of wind at our backs as a result of that as a community. I think so. And and I think we all, uh, myself included, tend to put things off and things that we know we should do don't ever get into the top 10 of the to-do list because we're busy and we're grinding away trying to provide good customer service and juggle a lot of balls in the air. But I think this really kind of to capture what you're saying, accelerate a lot of initiatives that every, were on everybody's to-do list for years. For instance, just thinking about your e-commerce site and whether it's for course materials or general merchandise and making sure that all the products are on the site that you want to be on the site and thinking about how product descriptions are, thinking about how you're going to merchandise the site. I think probably it's safe to say everyone's had that on the to-do list, but next thing you know, a year might go by, a year or two might go by, and you, you never get to that. Um, another would be we've seen, which we think is, again, a really positive development, is the emphasis on better use of communications via social media. Again, I would say that's one of those that for probably two, three years, everyone felt, yeah, I have to do better in social media. I have to do better with my communications. This made it mandatory. And so people have figured out, you know, when perhaps a little bit more, when to use Instagram versus Facebook or other social media channels. So e-commerce and marketing. And then, of course, the big one would be the drive towards digital course materials and inclusive access. So as we look at it, those three things were all on everybody's to-do list and all got super accelerated over the last six or seven months in ways that I think will be beneficial in the long run. It's incredibly commendable how nimble the stores have been in, in kind of adapting to those things. It's sort of hard to ask this question, but do you see areas where maybe that nimbleness has, has not been fast enough or maybe where we might need new tools that aren't currently available? Uh, just things that you've seen sort of the community at large struggling with. These are things that uh, are independent store action list is never bare, right? And ICBA exists to support the store. So it's not really as much of a criticism as something as an opportunity. And that would be to open up more regular dialogue with the institution, both on the academic side and the administrative side, and to really rethink the core value of the college store. We believe passionately that, our, in fact, our mission is that a well-run independent store is always the best choice to serve an institution and its multiple stakeholders. And so communicating with your institution, finding new ways and new services. Look, the institutions are struggling as well. So what a great opportunity for the college store to say, hey, we can do some things that you might not have thought about us for in the past. Uh, maybe it's working in different ways with libraries, commencement offices, alumni offices. So 
I would say that over the next 12 months, six to 12 months, we would say that a real area of opportunity is to think of ways to add new services and make sure that you're communicating on a more strategic and regular basis with the institution. We're going to do whatever we can to help our members do that and learn from other members that are doing that successfully. Having a strong relationship with stakeholders on your campus has always been important. How is that relationship evolving in our current environment? And what opportunities does that present for the campus store? Listen in as John shares his thoughts. I love that you mentioned the alumni associations as a specific example of getting closer with the institution. I know that we have a lot of stores that have been very close to athletics departments for for a while. What are other kind of creative ways that you've been seeing stores use to get closer to the institution and to kind of drive that relationship? In many ways, the store has a lot of services and capabilities that many areas of the campus might not even know about. Uh, Sometimes they're doing their own transactions. Maybe they have events where they're they're doing ticketing or just events. These are things that our store members know how to do, small, medium, even large events. So by thinking about their whole campus and areas on campus, maybe they can circle an area they haven't had a discussion with anyone for a while, and then they can just present those options and help them realize that the store can offer a, a whole lot more in terms of services to save them time, make it more efficient, and really be the hero for their campus. The store does have so many strategic kind of arrows in, in their quiver. You mentioning the transactional aspect of things. Those are historical areas of strength. And, you know, all it takes is a little bit of creativity and the right relationships on campus to make the most of that. Let's talk a little bit about how ICBA has had to adapt just as an organization. And again, kind of similar question earlier, you know, what, what is near-term adaptation and what do you actually see kind of sticking for you guys coming out of this? Yeah, no, thank you for that. And I appreciate it. I mean, one of the parts of about being part of ICBA that I that I really love the most, I'll use that word, is our focus is so clear to me. If it's in the best interests of the members and also we think that way about our vendor partners, then we can do it. We're a small group. There's seven of us and we can just be pretty nimble to serve those constituents. So it, it helps us. Uh, we We tend not to get distracted too much. So What we're trying to do is say that we can provide the best of both worlds, really overriding everything we do. And I I don't want to get in a downer here, but it's the threat of lease operation and outsourcing store operations. Let's face it, we exist to help prove this point that independent stores are the best option, but not every campus thinks that way. We want to try to create this best of both worlds. In other words, the store gets to make all their local decision making have all the local expertise, the passion and investment in their campus to know that two campuses, even if they're 10 miles apart and have similar enrollments, can still be very different. But we want to provide that national resource in a chain headquarters-like fashion, not to dictate from a central standpoint, but to provide those support resources that are needed to complement that local control. So that's how we think about it. We think about what can we bring to the table as a national organization that is more difficult for any one individual store to manage on their own. This way it'll free them up to do what they do best, which is know their own communities and adapt and and do the things to serve their community. So if that is coming through a little bit more than it used to, fantastic, but that's how we think of it. What what can we bring from a national level to complement the local store expertise? And we think that's a a good way to go and hopefully we're living up to that. Long-term, we have a big to-do list. We think we can do more to help stores 
prevent the threat of lease. We think we can do more to help them in their interactions with administrators to demonstrate the value of independent store operation versus uh, chain operation. So trust me, we're not sitting on any laurels. We, we feel like we have a big to-do list, especially in that area. I know your team well enough to know that you were not rested. <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> Thank you. I am super glad that you touched on, on sort of the elephant in the room regarding, you know, lease versus independent. Has the argument to stay independent changed as a result of, of what we're seeing? I know you alluded to kind of to more of a, an institutional emphasis on maybe financial return and kind of changing the narrative a little bit. Has the narrative around staying independent changed or is it more kind of just emphasizing some of the same things that, that have, have been part of that narrative for a while? I'm going to give you two perspectives on that, one perhaps more positive and one a little uh, less so. And on the positive side, you know, sometimes character reveals itself when times are tough, not always in the good times. And as I said at the beginning, any campus administrator that looked at their store and said, in this difficult time with lots of uncertainty, how they showed incredible commitment to serve, to adapt, to change, to, you know, fulfill their mission to provide the materials that their customers needed. I believe that will have a lasting effect on some people's minds. On the other hand, when there's complication, some might say, oh, it's an easier option. I'll take the easy way out and I'll just outsource the store. And maybe it won't even be as good as it was, but I've got other things on my mind. And so we can't let that happen. We have to continue to emphasize the value so that it's not an easy choice, that they don't just say, oh, yeah, it won't be that big of a difference. We need our stores to show that so that it, that's not just a simple decision for administrator. Campus stores are facing financial pressure as business is changing rapidly. Keep listening as John shares his ideas on how stores can adapt and thrive. Do you feel like, like independent stores are well positioned to respond to the financial pressure side of things that, that they may be seeing more from the administration? Or is that an area where, where we might need to see some improvement as well? No, I think for sure there needs to be improvement, not just at any store level, but the whole community here. And you all at Verba Vital Source, you do a great job in terms of helping them manage digital course materials. But I think a lot of our members, and this is something I'm sure you hear, they're really struggling with what's the long-term profitability picture for course materials. We think it's critical that an independent store stays as both the strategic and tactical provider of course materials to their campus. But a lot of our members are starting to say, I'm not sure if I can truly make the bottom line work. They've approached their campuses and said, can you consider this more of a service? Let's face it, everybody's trying to drive affordability, which is good for everybody, and better student outcomes, better student success. And so independent stores are so passionately focused on that to their credit. But at times that can lead to a lower bottom line. And so I do think there needs to be a, a bit of a reckoning with the institutions to, to understand that increasing affordability, doing the things that are necessary to improve outcomes may result in a somewhat lower bottom line for a college store, but is in the long-term best interest of everybody involved. So I hope they'll see that bigger picture, but I think that's a challenge. And I'm hoping that ICBA, Verbo Vital Source, and others can demonstrate that it still can be profitable and that there are ways to to shore up the bottom line there, even as things transition in the way that they are. 
are there still ICBA members for whom course materials are a are the primary kind of financial engine, or has that shifted for basically everyone at this point? What's the what's the breakdown there? Frankly, if you, if you're not being driven uh, a lot of general merchandise sales from say Division One football and basketball primarily, then course materials are still the vast majority of your business. Uh, in some cases, it's still 75, 80, even 85 percent of the business. That's not to say that there are opportunities to grow general merchandise, but that's a big number. And even when Division One sports are driving a lot of general merchandise business. Uh, it's still a significant portion, 40%, 50%. So let, let's make no mistake, course materials are still critical to the financial success, top line and bottom line. And so it's important, as we talk to members, There's members are thinking about a lot of different things. Systems are a big issue. Do they have the right system that will allow them to thrive over the next three to five years? And we talk about that. We say, well, what do you think the makeup of your business will be in 2023, 2024, meaning the ratio of, say, general merchandise to course materials? And in all those cases, people still feel course materials will be a significant part of the business. There is a dynamic where some campuses are exploring alternative ways to manage course materials with a partner, with an online solution, or some other alternative ways that do break that mold a little bit. But the majority of our members are still committed to trying to support course materials in the more traditional fashion. So we are a very, very proud um, sponsor of ICBA. We have always found ICBA to be an incredible venue for, for us just as a vendor to interact with stores. It's just looking ahead. Do you see any any changes to how ICBA facilitates relationships between stores and vendors to to kind of help us us all jump to the next level together? Sometimes when I think about what we really do and who we really are, I say that we're a matchmaker, right? We we find suppliers that want to invest and believe in this channel. We find members who need solutions, and we try to facilitate the right connections, and then hopefully we get out of the way and aren't an obstacle. I when we would refer to that as a Yenta. So I will start with <laughs> Yenta uh, I'll, I'll own that. I'll wear that hat. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned earlier about certain things will co- come back the way they used to be and some things won't. I, as I even think about in 2021, obviously we're virtual, and I think we'll have a good, very good program in the way that we're imagining it. But even I have to start thinking about the 2022 conference. My gosh, will we be in person? Will we will we be virtual? And we kind of think that we'll never go back to a 100% in-person conference again. I sure hope that society is safe and we can all get together because there's no substitute for the in-person networking and camaraderie. And, and our event in Tucson, we felt really had some magic going and it was a good event. But we also think that This opportunity is to bring more people into the fold. When you think about the number of people that go to an ICBA conference, last year we set a record. We had 377 store members. That was an all-time record. Well, my gosh, out of our 200-plus members, there's 1,500 that we hope we could influence with some of the content. And the reach we can have through a virtual event is so much broader. In fact, we think we'll set a new record this year with the virtual event by reaching more Uh, store uh, members than ever before, more stores and more people within each store. So I think long-term, we're going to really think about ways that we can bring our content to the members. And maybe maybe it's more year-round. If this is important, the things we, whether it's keynote speakers or brokering the relationships and getting people forming strategic relationships, 
we're thinking about in a virtual world, maybe we can do that more than just once a year. So we're excited by those possibilities. We, like our members, we're a little freaked out by it because we don't know what we're doing. We're learning on the fly, but we're trying to embrace that and say, look, we'll just forge ahead just as our members are doing. We'll make some mistakes. We'll figure it out. But as long as we stay focused on the mission, we think some good things will come of it. As a vendor and a sponsor, we love the opportunity to to reach an even broader audience with some of these virtual things and everything. But I, for for all of our kind of social sanity, I do hope that we we can have a Tucson-like experience in 2022. Um, uh, agreed, my friend. <laughs> all right. Well, let me close this out. I think you've touched on on so many great things, but um, maybe just as a bit of a, a of a distilled spirit for us, what are the top couple of things that strong independent stores are doing now to prepare for the next five years? I think they're being not afraid to fail. And I, that's so easy to say. It's almost, it is a cliche at times, but it's try some stuff. What we say to our members is you don't have to have it all solved. Be a piece of the puzzle. When we have a networking call with 20, 30, 40 members, I encourage interaction. Tell me about the things that didn't work. We can learn as much from the things that didn't work as the things that did work. So I would just say, when you're working with a trusted partner, let's say somebody is working with you all, and you're not going to pull the rug out from under them. You're so committed to this channel, you're going to support them. Try some things. Be a smart risk taker. If you swing and miss, it's okay. And so I think just that constant innovation and uh, trying new ideas, but also learning from one another. This is a community that trusts each other. Learn from your colleagues. Listen to what they're saying. Borrow an idea. Steal an idea. Call them up and say, hey, I heard you talk about this. What can I learn from that? So I think you, you don't have to come up with all the ideas yourself, is my point. We have a constant innovation generator going on with this independent store community, and let's use it. I think we can use that even more. Our stores are passionate. They have ideas. I want them to inspire me as much as I can inspire them. So I'm, I'm very passionate about that. We feel it, my friend. And, um, you know, I, I think that you are an inspiration, not only to the stores, but to the vendors in the community as well. And uh, just want to thank you for your leadership and for spending some time with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. You're one of the folks when we think about people that are going to be there in the long run and who we trust completely. You're at the top of the list. We Thank you so much for your support of ICB over many, many years, past, present, and hopefully into the future. And I, I think you do a great job serving the independent community. So thank you for that. It is our honor and privilege. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Verba Coffee Chat podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you always know when another episode drops.